Good morning, everybody. Is it time to worship? Shall we sing together, please? Would you stand and sing with us, please? to see everybody here on this third Sunday of Lent and in the first day of spring. Our first scripture reading this morning is Philippians 4, 15 through 20, and it's found in your pew Bible on page 1071 if you'd like to follow along. You Philippians indeed know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, No church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you alone. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs more than once. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that accumulates to your account. I've been paid in full and have more than enough. I am fully satisfied now that I have received from 
Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Loving God, we gather in this place today to worship you and give you thanks. We praise you for all you give us. May we always be thankful. Open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. Guide us with your Holy Spirit and teach us to use the resources you've given us to further your kingdom in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, everyone. I wanted to give you all an update on our egg hunt collections because I know you're just, you're just waiting and crawling out of your skin to find out how much candy we have and how many eggs we have. Last week, y'all blew me away. I asked for eggs, and y'all put on like your Easter super capes, and you went out and bought over nine, or almost 900 eggs and donations alone. So I wanted to say thank you for that. Um, do we need more? Absolutely. We do four egg fields. And right now, in total, we have just around 1,000 eggs, which means we only have 250 in egg field. So 25 kids, they only get 10 eggs each, right? So we want to make sure that we have absolutely no idea how many children are going to come. Unfortunately, the past two years, we haven't had our community egg hunt to base off the numbers that we've had for registration. So I'm completely guessing, but we might have more than, say, 25 8 to 11-year-olds. I don't know. But we want to make sure that we can make sure everybody, we're not telling them, hey, you can only take six eggs. Sorry, that's all we've got for you. We want to be able to let them have fun. Candy-wise, candy-wise, that's the big one, right? The kids are like, we don't care about the eggs. We just want the candy. You can just hand it to me in a basket, and I don't need the eggs. Candy, we have about 24 jumbo size bags of candy, which is wonderful. Do we need more candy, guys? Yes, oh, okay, good. We will take any and all donations and we appreciate them greatly. The ACON has actually been traditionally a great community event and it has brought families into our church, personally that I know of. It brings kids into our children's ministry, so it's a wonderful event and we appreciate all donations going towards that. Also, we have next Sunday, we have campfire worship. I know the slides rotating earlier said that it's a children's campfire worship. It is not for children. It is for all people in our congregation. We've had them before. We've had a lot of fun doing our campfire worship. It's an informal time. We gather around a campfire like we've been camping. We sing songs, we read scripture, and we just have a really awesome time to worship outdoors and to worship freely without, you know, um, I know our service doesn't have a bunch of up and downs, but it's still, it's, it's still a looser, more informal type of worship. Dinner is provided, and the, I believe the theme that I'm going for this time is going to be talking about the wonders of God and the things that he just does, that sometimes when we're reading the stories, it's just a story to us, but we need to keep in mind that all of those miracles that he did absolutely happened, absolutely, without a doubt. They're not just stories, they're reality, and we're going to focus on those wonders. So I would love to have you all come out for that. Kiddos, come on forward. Oh, okay, I'm going to sit off to the side. All right. 
grandparents and other people out there that might have children come forward for the children's sermon. In the midst of doing our safety training, it's a you know, occurred to me that we don't have any signs up that say that we record our services and that sometimes the services are put online. So parents, grandparents, I want you all to be aware of that. I do believe we will be getting signs out if we continue to do that because it is important for everybody to know. But anybody in the congregation, if you step in front of these front pews, guess what? You're on camera. And you're going to be seen by, um, it'll be put onto Facebook. And um, is it still going onto YouTube, Steve, or is it just Facebook? Just onto Facebook. But it is reported and put online, and that's important for everybody to know. Are you guys ready? Oh, my God. That was a lot of talking, wasn't it? We're going to talk today, though, in Spark Worship about a prophet of God. Do you guys remember what prophets did in the Old Testament? What did they do? They told people that Jesus, that a Savior, was coming. Their job really was to communicate between God and the people of Israel, to God's people, and to let them know, hey, guys, you've kind of gotten off track. You're like a lost sheep right now. You need to come back into the herd. You need to come back into the fold. You need to start thinking about what you're doing and how you're doing it and why you're doing it because you've strayed from what God set out for you to do. So prophets weren't necessarily liked people all of the time. And the guy we're talking about today, his name is Elisha. He took over from a prophet named Elijah, because that's not confusing at all. And they performed many of the same sort of miracles and stuff. Elijah was a prophet to kings, and he, ta- he often talked about the judgment of God and what was going on and how people were going to be judged by God for the things that we- they were doing. Elisha, on the other hand, took it in a different direction, and he focused on the grace of God and the mercy of God and God, how God saves us. And Elijah's message and the miracles he performed often kind of mirrored what Jesus does during his ministry. His miracles that he performed were full of mercy. They were full of grace and compassion and kindness. He helped people out. Elijah didn't just talk to the king. In fact, he outright told the king, I don't want to work for you, dude. You're mean. And he went and he worked for, like, the the poorer people, the people who were outcast from most of society. And he told them how to build a relationship with God, how to be right with God, and he helped them when they needed help. We're going to learn about one of the specific times that somebody needed help today in Spark Worship. But as we learn the story of um, this miracle that he performs for a widow, I want you guys to keep in mind what we just heard in the song, what we heard in the opening song, is that God can always provide for us. He can always provide a way for us. He can always provide safety for us. He can always provide for our needs. In fact, God knows more of what each one of us in this room needs than we do ourselves. He's got a plan for us, and he's got things laid out for us that we can't even begin to imagine. And he will make sure that we are taken care of if we trust him and listen to him. It's not just he's going to take care of you no matter what you do, and you can just go do whatever whatever you want anything at all. No, we need to trust him. We need to look to him. We need to be in his word, and we need to listen to what he says to us, right? And he will always be there to take care of us. He sends us help every single day in ways that we might not even think, you know, as as help, right? And we're going to learn in the story how the help comes today. But the one big way that he sent us all help, the one thing that I want to focus on throughout this Easter season as we go in the next four Sundays towards Easter is that he sent the ultimate help, to us when he sent his son. He sent the biggest form of help we could ever ask for when he sent Jesus down to live and to walk with us, to teach us about God's love and his plan for us 
and then to take all of our wrongdoings that we have ever done and could possibly ever do and carry those things to the cross for us. God sent that help when we didn't know we needed it. God sent that help before you were even a spark in somebody's imagination besides his own. He sent it to you because he loved you that much. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Let us pray, okay? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's say, dear God, thank you for sending help where we least expect it. Let us open our minds and our hearts to accept it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to exit out the side for Spark. Good morning. Good to see all of y'all here on this third Sunday of Lent. And as Rex said in the announcements, you know, today's also the first day of spring. But check this out. I don't know how often this happens. I haven't studied it enough or looked into it, but I, I was thinking about it. Spring starts in a little over an hour, 1033, okay, is when spring is, is the actual vernal equinox that happens, which, by, oh, by the way, speaking of that, you know, there's all sorts of neat stuff that happens on the equinoxes, you know, but uh, one of them is, is if you observed the sunrise this morning, which was a pretty sunrise, you were looking east. Now, we all know, you know, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west and all that. But on the equinoxes, the sun really does rise in the east. And if you want to know what due west is, watch the sunset tonight. Okay, that happens on the equinoxes, the way God set it up. Remember, it tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that the, uh, the, the sun and the moon and the stars are there so we'll know what time it is, basically. That's what it is, you know, not our of watches and clocks, but anyway. So, so, and, and, and then I, you know, there I go. This is, this worship service is the last worship service of winter this year. And the 11 o'clock service will be the first worship service of spring. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I don't, I, like I said, that's what I haven't looked into. I don't know. I had to figure it out how often that happens. And, of course, it would have to do with when churches had their worship services. But as far as Holotus Hills United Methodist Church goes, that's happening today. So if you wanted to, you could go to the last worship service and the first worship service of spring on the same day. And some of us here will, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's going to happen. Okay, so... My first rainbow is the rainbow it is always to see all of y'all, okay? My next rainbow is I've been, I, haven't, I haven't made a formal announcement, but I'm retiring, okay? So I know I think most of you know that, but now is the appropriate time because my successor has been named, okay? Now, that, that information is still confidential for another 24 hours or so, because that person needs to inform their congregation of what's going to happen and all that. But it has been done. So I'll be here through June. My retirement is effective July 1. So I'll be here through June, except I won't be here next Sunday. Carl will be preaching next Sunday 
I've got to go, I've got to officiate at a wedding in uh, Santa Fe. I won't be here next weekend for the festivities around the campfire either. As Jesse mentioned, y'all ought to go out there. It's really fun, and it's a good time of worship. We'll have uh, singing and and fun. So anyway, that's definitely a rainbow. Praise the Lord. There are many, many folks behind the scenes that do things that need to be done here that we don't normally notice, you know. Uh, One of them is our great music. A lot of time is spent on that and a lot of effort. You see the results on or hear the results on Sunday morning, but you don't necessarily see all the work that goes in. So, and I'll love, I'm on a roll while we're talking about that, somebody that does a lot of work behind the scenes is Josie, okay? Josie's birthday is Wednesday, okay? So I'll just uh, remind everybody of that. And she's not going to be here Wednesday, okay? So if, if you want to express thanks to Josie and wish her a happy birthday, do it Monday or Tuesday or send her a belated card but she won't be here Wednesday. Anyway, we want to lift up all of those who do work around this church. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we pray. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the change of seasons and all the wonder of your creation. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you give us. Lord, we lift up those that we've named, and there are many who are unnamed in our hearts that need healing. We ask, Lord, that you would touch them and heal them. Lord, we lift up those in the Ukraine. We lift up our Christian brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We lift up our Christian brothers and sisters all over the world who are suffering persecution of any kind. Lord, we lift up all of those who are in areas of war and violence. We pray for peace and harmony among your children. Lord, we lift up the leaders of our country and all the countries of the world. We ask, Lord, that you would Make them attentive to your will and have them carry it out. Lord, we lift up those who still might be traveling here as we finish up spring break. We lift up those who are having difficulties in their relationships. Lord, we lift up those who don't have the basic necessities of life. We ask that you would Remind us how blessed we are and nudge us to share our bounty with those who aren't as blessed. Lord, we ask that you would cause us to look at each other the way that Jesus looked at us, that we would conduct ourselves the way that Jesus conducted himself. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, like Jesse said in the children's sermon this morning, we're going to talk about Elisha today. Elisha. Now, where we, where we enter the narrative this morning, it's just like, well, Elisha's there and he does something for someone. But I want us to go back a little bit and remember that most of the most, if not all, that I mean of the people you see in positions of power and notoriety, and the folks that you see in scripture that are leading folks in miraculous ways and doing wonderful things, they didn't just wake up one morning and were that way, right? There's 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 always that I guess the analogies like the the proverbial iceberg, right? You know, you see a quarter of it and three quarters of it's under the water. I guess the captain of the Titanic forgot that, right? That's the way it is with people. We see a quarter or possibly less than everything that's gone into getting them to where they are. And Elisha is certainly no exception. Elisha was Elijah's servant. He was Elijah's servant. And that's important for us to remember because, again, we, as we approach the celebration of our Lord's resurrection in about a month, we remember what Jesus taught us. And above everything else, Jesus taught us to be servants and to serve each other and to serve those around us. And Elisha, again, is a very, very good example of that. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting the way other people in Scripture referred to Elisha. And I'll just draw on one of those instances that you see there in 2 Kings chapter 3. We're going we're gonna to read in 2 Kings chapter 4 this morning. But of course, Elisha had asked Elijah for what? A double portion of his spirit, right? That's what, that's, that's what, that's what he had asked for. And Elijah told him, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a tough deal. And Elijah kept trying to get Elisha to go on so he wouldn't be around when he was taken up into heaven. And Elisha said, what? And it's recorded three times in Scripture. Elisha said, you know, I'm not going to leave your side. You know, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be there. And he was, and we know, he got the double portion of of the spirit that was on Elijah. 
There's a situation in 2 Kings chapter 3. Israel and Judah and Edom are going up against the Moabites, right? Those pesky Moabites again, right? And the king of Israel is a guy named Jehoram, right? Who was who? He was Ahab's son, right? Good old Ahab, right? Who was married to the woman with red lips, hair, and fingernails, right? I think that's what somebody said. Jehoram wasn't much better than his mama and papa. At this time, the king of Judah was, y'all remember Perry White in Superman? A lot of times Perry White would say what? Great King Jehoshaphat, right? That's what, that, was one of his, that was one of his favorite sayings. I guess you have to have a favorite saying if you're the editor of a newspaper. Now, Jehoshaphat was one of Judah's good kings, right? Y'all know, I know especially those of you that are in the Sunday school class over there saying all that, you know, you know this and you've heard me say it, you know, Israel didn't have any good kings. They were all rotten. Some of them were less rotten than the others, but they were all rotten. Judah had, on the other hand, had a few, not many, but they had a few good kings, you know. I mean, let's face it, looking for good politicians is, you know, that's a, that's you know, that's, that's a low number. That's a low number in any time. That's one of those universal things throughout life. It doesn't change. You know, it doesn't change. And it was the same way back when Elisha was around. And then, and then the Scripture doesn't tell us here who the king of Edom was at the particular time. And they were going up against the Moabites, and they're freaking out. They don't know what to do. And Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, He's a good guy back there in 2 Kings chapter 3, somewhere around verse 11. He says, isn't there a prophet that we can ask directions from to see what the Lord's will is? He says, this is why Jehoshaphat's a good king. He thinks about asking what God's will is before he does anything. And the Bible tells us that one of the servants, servants again, this is all about servanthood, one of the servants of the king of Israel, okay, bad guy, but one of the servants says, hey, there's Elisha who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah, right? We can ask him. We can ask him, you know, so I think that's interesting. Elisha is remembered by his peers, or are referred to, I guess it would be more accurate, by his peers as someone who served, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Our scripture does come from 2 Kings chapter 4, the first seven verses. Consider the word of the Lord. Now the wife of a member of the company of prophets, cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but a creditor has come to take my two children 
as slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me. I got to stop there because it just jumps out at me. And I think about it. Jesus did the same thing. You know, there, there were people that called on Jesus, and there, there are cases where he says, he says, what do you want me to do for you? God and God's prophets respect our free will. Elisha didn't say, well, here, I'll do this, that, or the other. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She answered, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. He said, go outside, borrow vessels from your neighbors, empty vessels, and not just a few. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your children and start pouring into all these vessels. When each is full, set it aside. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her children. They kept bringing vessels to her, and she kept pouring. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. But he said to her, there are no more. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your children can live on the rest. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who desires that all of your children live abundant, happy lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. I said it was about servanthood, and I want to stick to that this morning. I want us to, I, I want us to think about that because, again, I think that's what Jesus taught us, and the Bible tells us. You know, Jesus didn't take the fact that he was the Son of God that the world and everything we see had been created through him, he didn't, as the expression goes, let that go to his head. He put all of that aside, and he took the form of a servant. He took the form of a servant. Now, we start out here, and the widow says to Elisha, by the way, Elisha means God is my salvation. And that's, we can just stop there, right? That's, uh, that's all any of us need to remember. Uh, when anything start, starts to look goofy or, uh, or anything starts to seem like it's coming unglued, just remember, God is my salvation. But the widow says to Elisha, she says, your servant, your servant my husband is dead. All right. 
And you know he feared the Lord. He feared the Lord. He did what was right. And she says, but, but what? A creditor has come to take my children, and they'll be slaves. These seven verses, like many seven verses throughout Scripture, are jam-packed with stuff. But one of the things here I want us all to remember is what it tells us in, I think it's Romans 13, 8. It says what? It says, owe no debt except to love. Owe no debt except to love. Okay? Which is great advice for all of us, always. Now, I realize realistically, and I think the Bible realizes realistically too, there are times when we need to borrow, and we won't, we won't get off into all that this morning. But also, if you look, go back there and read, pretty much wants you to keep your financial commitments to seven years or less. Because again, whoever, whoever holds the note has you in some sort of bondage. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's not God's intention for us to be in bondage. So like it says there, we should, we should strive to owe no debt except to love. Except to love. Also, Elisha is there to help this widow. The Bible tells us over and over again that we should what? We should take care of the fatherless and the widows, those who can't take care of themselves. Psalm 68 tells us that God is a father to the fatherless, and he protects the widows. James tells us what? True religion and undefiled before God is to take care of the fatherless and the widows and their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Elisha was doing that. He was, again, being a servant to someone who had been a servant. So he says... What can I do for you? What can I do for you, right? And when she tells him, he says, what? What do you have? What do you have? Now, I want to remind us all this morning that regardless of what you may think you do or don't have, God has given you more than you need already. It's a done deal, okay? You already have more than you need. Just like this widow and her two children had more than they needed already. They just didn't realize it. They just didn't realize it. Elisha's telling her, take whatever you've got and it'll be enough. It'll be enough with God's help. It'll be enough. And she says, what? Did you notice her words? Your servant. Hmm. Your servant only has a little oil, right? A little oil. I think about Jed Clampett, 
right? Her servant only has a little oil, you know? So, so he says, he says what? He says, go get some empty jars. But I want to stop there just a minute before we get to the empty vessels and the empty jars that Elisha's asking her to get. And remember, see, he didn't say you need to go find something else. He said, what do you have? What do you have? A good question for all of us to ask ourselves. Now, and I will just remind you this morning that, again, just like I said, you already have what you need. If you don't believe me, look in Romans chapter 12. If you uh, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look in Ephesians chapter 4. You can look in all those, all, all those three places as well as other places in the Bible, and it tells us God has given all of us gifts. God has given all of us gifts, and we have different gifts. But it's up to us to use them to fulfill God's will and help make the kingdom available to everybody, to everybody. But we already have the gifts. We already all have something in our houses. But again, the woman said, your servant. She was, she had apparently paid some attention to people around her. Her husband, who was Elisha's servant before he passed away, and, and knew that her proper position, as is the proper position of all of us, as Jesus' example showed us, is to be servants. And he says, what? He says, go out there and borrow some vessels, borrow some jars, borrow some pitchers, borrow some quart containers, I don't know, borrow some 55-gallon oil drums. That's what she should have borrowed, right? Uh, that, would be, that would be a good thing to have at that point. And, and he said, what? Don't get just a few. Again, don't limit yourself. Our Father... God has what? Everything. Everything. Owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Everything belongs to God. Don't limit yourself. The main limitation that any of us have is between our ears, right? Each and every one of us. We're, we're the ones that limit ourselves. God doesn't limit us. God doesn't. God wants us to go out, and Elisha's telling that to her, you know, get as, get as many as you can. Get as many as you can. You know, we, we serve a God of abundance, and we, and, we, and we need to look at it that way. And Elisha here, too, was performing exactly what a prophet is supposed to do. He was turning her back toward God. See, she was speaking scarcity. Your servant only has a little oil, right? You know, what's a little oil going to do? You know, I can, I can keep the hinges from my door from squeaking, right? You know, I've only got a little oil. And Elisha says, no, 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 no. He didn't say this, but he did metaphorically. You've got much more than that. Go out and borrow a lot of vessels. Borrow a lot of them.
And what? Now, now, notice what else Elisha does. Elisha, just like Jesus in Mark chapter 10, said what? Let the little children come unto me. Or Deuteronomy chapter 14. We are charged with raising our children in the faith and teaching our children the things of God. Notice, he said, go in there with your children and close the door, right? He wanted the children to see the oil that didn't stop until they ran out of things to put the oil in. He wanted them to see that and know what's going on so that they too could tell people in the future when their mother passes away because that's the way of things, right? We all have parents. A lot of us have children. And at some point, we're going to assume room temperature and our, hopefully our children will still be around for a while. And uh, if, if we've taught them correctly, hopefully, they will, they will pass it on. So Elisha says, take your children in there with you. And they did. Now, I just want to say a, a, a quick thing about miracles, because I think this would qualify as a miracle, don't you all? I mean, uh, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what your definition of a miracle is, but, you know, and, and we hear a lot. I would say in our postmodern, post-Christian world that we live in, we hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, I, I don't know what the explanation for this miracle would be. They'd probably just blow it off. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of miracles that people come up with explanations for, right? Here's the thing that you need to remember. If you, if you ever start to question a miracle, remember Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, okay? It's a good place to start. There are other places, but that's a great place to start. You all all know what it says there. It says what? It says... My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Yeah. See, people are absolutely correct when they say that miracles cannot break the laws of physics that God has put into place. That's true. I believe that with all my heart. I, I, I believe God is the author of order and not chaos. But here rub. There are laws that God has put into place that we are ignorant of. We don't know anything about them. Someday we will, maybe, if that's God's will, and I believe someday we'll, we will figure out other things. I mean, after all, in Jesus' time, you, you know, just take, take something we all take absolutely for granted and most people don't have any more idea than a hoot owl how it takes place, and that's our cell phones, right? And radio, right? Elisha didn't have a radio. If somebody, somebody had brought one in, they'd have thought it was some sort of miracle, right? Miracles are just things that God does, and sometimes we don't know how God does them. So, 
they do follow the laws of physics. Not necessarily the laws of physics that we look at, but the laws that God has put in place in the universe. I'll, I'll loosely call those the laws of physics this morning. Anyway, we all are called to be servants. And lest I forget it, Elisha was allowing the widow to let other people enter into servanthood too when she asked to borrow from them, right? She was letting them be of service to her. See, it all goes around. It all goes around God in, in God's economy. So this morning, I'll just, I'll just remind us that we're all called to be servants. We're all filled with God's Spirit. And as long as we find some place to pour that Spirit It'll never run out. Amen? Now go in peace. And as you go, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.